Hello and welcome to the Amped About Movies podcast. Today we'll be discussing the 1989 film Dead Poets Society. This movie was written by Tom Shulman, directed by Peter Weir, and stars Robin Williams, Robert Sean Leonard, Ethan Hawke, Josh Charles, and Gail Hansen. Quick plot synopsis. Maverick teacher John Keating uses poetry to embolden his boarding school students to new heights of self-expression. Now, as a bit of a step aside, this week's movie will touch on the topic of suicide. This is a trigger warning, as well as a reminder that suicide is never the answer. If you're having thoughts of taking your own life, please take a moment to call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which can be found in the description of this podcast. Now, after that heavy opening, I will remind you that next week we'll be watching the 2020 Golden Globe winner Nomadland, which is currently available on Hulu. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please feel free to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or reach out to our email at ampedaboutmovies at gmail.com. The first email will for sure get a shout out in this podcast. (laughs) So I'm going to hand it off to Colin. Let's hear what you thought your first impressions of this film. Thanks, David. My first impression is I think it was definitely a great coming of age tale. I think it was something that I had more difficulty relating to on account that I didn't go to a all boys prep school <laughs> and i'm not particularly artsy inclined so i don't have like a Colin, different, that's just you know, straight up wrong my friend that's yes, just straight that up true. wrong you are so artsy just listen to I, the way you say the word movie yeah, that's true. i mean come on film yes <laughs> um yeah but i think it's definitely something I, I can still get behind i think growing up you know dealing with hormones having a, a, a crazy teacher that's going to instill you with free thinking thought, I think is a really fun <laughs> premise for movies, especially when that teacher's Robin Williams and he mm-hmm. did a spectacular job. I love Robin Williams and his more, I wouldn't say that this is like his most flatly acted, like he's still kind of a goof, but I think he definitely plays it extremely well. It definitely hits like the dramatic points throughout and you can definitely empathize with his character and you understand his, his drive. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think the set dressing was really fun. I think as someone that didn't go to a boarding school, I think it was really interesting to <laughs> see like the environment that they're in. I, I, I can definitely talk more about it <laughs> yeah. um, later on in the review. But I think that was really interesting, like set in the 1950s like that and, and them dealing with like girls and themselves and what they want to be when they grow up, quote unquote, I think is a really interesting premise. I, I don't have a ton of love for like 19th century uh, American poets, but I can definitely like still get behind like the, the idea of it and Carpe Diem sees the day stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah, I was not expecting the ending that it had. I yeah, I, I thought it was kind of I don't know. I didn't know where it was going throughout the movie. I, I really liked the characters, so I wasn't mind watching it and, and seeing where how they do with that stuff and. Mm-hmm. dealing with the administration being a bunch of old people <laughs> essentially uh-huh. um and i i was not expecting the the suicide scene i think it was very i don't know i thought it was definitely impactful i like how it showed like the aftermath of it and all the other the students and his friends like dealing with it and really yeah. showing a lot of emotion and trying to figure out a way forward and but yeah it wasn't bad i i liked it um i'd love to hear everyone else's responses as well yeah yeah i'll jump right in and just kind of give a quick bit of my take going through high school at least for me was definitely a very confusing time trying to figure out what the trajectory of your life is going to be because I know for me as a child I just was kind of doing whatever my parents told me to do 
and they would always try to help me realize what I like to do, like putting me in different things like karate and Boy Scouts and all that good stuff. But as you're going through high school, especially when you get exposed to stuff like the arts and acting and, and like those things that bring out some of the passion in, uh, in humanity, like it can, it can become very confusing. And then especially to have these overbearing parents that are kind of forcing them to kind of follow the parents' opinion of how their life should go. It's just a very, I think there's a lot of subtlety in this film. And it's in the the way that the relationships go between the parents and the children, between the the boys and each other, um, and between them and their teachers. And I think that that makes this film really impactful, at least for me. I know I watched this movie the first time in high school, and it really made a big impact on me. So, yeah, I'll definitely pass it off to Chad. What did you think about this film? Uh, Some some similar thoughts, I would say. Mostly, I remember watching this for the first time in high school, and definitely a lot of the the messages and things stand out as being what I remember about it most. The ending obviously you know doesn't surprise me this time around. I know that everything is kind of leading to that and building to that, having seen it before. But I still really appreciate the messages that this film has to offer, mm-hmm. especially now after all this time being able to look back on it, I guess, and see how much different I am and how much different my life is than it was, you know, eight or 10 years ago, the first time that I remember watching this and thinking to myself, man, I remember these things like Carpe Diem and Seize the Day and being a free thinker. And like, you know, when you're in high school and you're like starting to experiment with rebelling against authority and like, what do Mm -hmm. I really want as opposed to like, what do other people want for me? And I have some big decisions coming up and how, like, have I lived those things? Like, do I do that now? Like, you know, and thinking back and it's like, no, not really. Like I, I I more or less just kind of fell in line, got a job and started working. (laughs) Like, you know, damn, Uh, I let him, I let, you know, 16 year old me down when I was like, I'm going to like, do what I want to do and I'm going to live my life. And it's like, yeah, nah, I, I grew up and got a stable job, a, a big company. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I clock in, you know, nine to five and, and work my life, you know? So it, but it's you interesting to think about to choose that. Yeah. I, and I, I think that's, it's interesting to think like what my, my decisions ended up being and like, you know, I'm not saying anybody forced me to do these things, but definitely didn't branch out and like go for some crazy alternative lifestyle or something like that or but i I guess you know you think about things on a macro level and and i think getting back to the movie i enjoy films that make you think about your life and i know we talked a lot about this with spotlight for me comes to mind where we we spent most of the time talking about like man like this made me think about my life more than most of the movies that we watch and i think that is a mark of a really truly remarkable film when it can make you think about your life and the principles that they're trying to show you impact you beyond just what the film is showing you. And I think Dead Poet Society is one of those films that really makes you like stop and think about your life. And I think they do such a remarkable job at that, that it's a really, really important and impactful film and definitely something that you should watch multiple times throughout your life. Because I think every single time you watch it, you're going to interpret it and see it a little bit different and I think that's a mark of a really, really strong film. Yes, Chad, that was so spot on. You gave me chills. 
<laughs> but actually, I just wanted to jump in and say that, like, agreeing with you, when I first watched this film, I felt like, oh, I have to seize the day. I have to, you know, pursue my own desires, my own dreams. And then, like you, I did exactly the same thing, went off to college, like my parents said I should. And because, I mean, I was talking about this with Sam yesterday after we watched the film. I actually really wanted to be an actor when I was in high school. Like, I, I loved theater. I loved singing. I loved all that stuff. And I wanted to go into being professional. Um, and then what ended up happening was my parents just kind of sat down and talked with me about it in a much, much different way than it is addressed in this film. Um, and much more, like, empathetic. And, you know, we walked through, you know, what that would be like and the kind of work I'd have to put in. And kind of, I think I kind of just realized I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> like, I don't think I have the drive to compete with all those other people doing acting. I thought it might be better for me to kind of build some other skills and get into a more professional, like, business role. Um, but I think that coming back and looking at this film from this perspective of it's been, like, eight years since I watched it, Maybe last time I was 16 when I watched it. But now I'm seeing that even though it's been eight years, my life could still be seized. I could still change anything I want. And I think that's one of the things that Neil just doesn't get. And that's something that most high schoolers have a really hard time wrapping their heads around. And I know I did too, where your life, just because you spend a few years going to school and becoming a doctor or whatever it is, it still doesn't mean you're stuck. You know, you could at any point choose i mean of course it gets harder the more responsibilities you take on and like if you have kids and get married and whatnot but you could still for the most part make significant changes in your life to pursue the things that you care about at any point i think so i think that's one of the things that's really easy to skim over and it's it's one of the big life takeaways from this film i think that was yeah david i think you you definitely hit the nail on the head there i think what neil is is uh the guy from house's character's name correct I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, Neil's the yeah. one who, yeah, Neil. you know. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Yeah, I think that was like, I, I think it shows the difference in like a, a parental relationship that's like understanding and empathetic. Because you could, you obviously can tell with his father, he's like completely immovable when it comes mm-hmm. to like his views of his son's career, career trajectory. Yeah. But like, I yeah, I think. I think he's conflating like his self-worth with his ability to act but i think it's i mean he definitely did have an opportunity to really have a great life and be a doctor and stuff like that but you can you can act in your free time like you can have hobbies yeah. Yeah. i think that was the big thing that i realized when i was in high school was i was like because when i was in high school i was like oh i'm gonna go join the peace corps or, you know do all this like volunteer work and stuff and then i actually did that i did like a summer at a uh you know like a community center and no one was happy and no one got paid well and everyone has like a, had, essentially have a bad time yeah and i was talking to the, the guy who ran it who was a ceo of rubbermaid for a long time and he was like yeah you can like essentially like taught me about this he was like you can have like noble pursuits in life and like want to be happy in things that isn't necessarily quote unquote your day job and like so you could have the means to like live comfortably and not worry about things, which is what like I'm assuming an actor would have to worry about, or if you're like a full-time volunteer person, but you can have offshoots of life where you find things that are redeeming and, and have a good time still. And yeah. uh, I don't know, I think that was a big lesson that I had to learn. And I think this movie's a great way to outline that as well. Yeah. Well, sorry if we're trampling all over you guys, but what do you think beard? What did you think about this film? Man, I had a lot of thoughts. 
Um, oh, good. <laughs> in, and, and they're good thoughts in, in the sense that this was like a very thought provoking movie, real thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was good. And I, I really appreciate that in a movie. So, you know, my, my impression about this movie is definitely positive. Like you guys said, this was a pinnacle role for Robin Williams. He gave an outstanding performance. I think that was probably one of the more inspirational characters and performances I've ever seen in a movie. Right mm-hmm. up there with Robin Williams' other pinnacle performance in Google Hunting. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and also just impressive for him because, like you guys kind of alluded to earlier, he was a stand-up comedian. He was more in, like, not very serious movies a lot of times, kind of lighthearted. But he could also nail the dramatic roles, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very well done for him and yeah I, I i really like the messages in this movie and it was pretty impactful to me and this is also the second time i've seen it so like you guys i'd seen it before and i was i was interested to rewatch it because i thought man are my thoughts or impressions going to change or am i going to kind of like think the same thing like chad said i i did take away some different things this time the second time around so that was kind of interesting. Mm. Um, and I'm really glad that I did not wait to watch this one to the day of. I was able to watch it last night. And I'm glad because <laughs> I, man, I've been like thinking about some of these messages from the movie since I, I finished watching it. Um, yeah. And it, I, I kind of like, <laughs> I keep going back and forth. Like I, I think the messages that they talk about in this movie are a little more mixed than I originally thought. Like, I, I think when I first watched it, which, by the way, I, I first watched it in 2017. So I think I was like 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, I the first time I watched it, I thought it was a pretty clear takeaway that like, OK, yeah, you know, seize the day, you know, take agency of your life. Don't, you know, don't conform. Mm-hmm. Think for yourself. Do these things on your own. Right. And now looking back i'm like man like the way they delivered that was maybe not crystal clear like obviously it's very clear coming from keating but Mm -hmm. like the way all his students carried that out were kind of problematic right (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so like so like um for example knox yep like goes like way over and above like what he should have been doing to like try and get with this girl he yep. was like already in a relationship, by the way. Like that, I don't know. I, I was like, nah, I don't really think that was a good move. And then, Andy, um, you want to cut in real quick? The, yeah. The, the the scene at the party. Oh God. Like, yeah. The I was watching. That was like the part. Yeah, I walked in. And we watched like kind of that part. She didn't. She wasn't watch with me the entire movie, but like she, I think she was seen it before. She, we were watching that part. But regardless, I was talking with her about. It, I was like, I'm not. Like, I feel like what this movie, like, should be, like, stereotypically, you should be rooting for Knox throughout that scene. But throughout that, I was just like, Chet is sort of allowed to beat the shit out of him. Like, I'm totally fine with that. That was just not cool, man. Yeah. That made me very uncomfortable. (laughs) Me too. Me too. That scene did not age well. Yeah. That's just part of the course with these 1989 movies. Even, like, at the time when it came out, like, you can't just, like... I don't know, make out with another guy's girlfriend at his house. Like, that's yeah. weird. Like, yeah. While she's unconscious. Yeah, while she's unconscious. Yeah, while she's, a, exactly. Especially that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. so, 
Yeah, that was and and he okay. So I was I'm glad, glad he I was glad he only kissed her on the forehead. I mean, that doesn't make right. it okay. Oh, oh yeah, I, was well, glad it, I don't know. It made it a little bit creepy. Well, that too. But anyway, back to beard. Back to so me. that was so obviously Knox took it the wrong way. The other guy, I think his name was Charlie. He's like the one that did like the whole prank and like in the whole assembly, he was like, oh, like it's a call from God. It's for you to like the headmaster or whatever. And like did this whole thing and almost got expelled. And like in that instance, like Keating actually did reprimand him and say like, Hey, yo, that's not carpet him. That's just stupid. Um, But like, obviously he took it the wrong way. And then obviously Neil's actions were like pretty drastic. And like, we can all agree. Yeah. He should not have killed himself. Like he, he took it like way too far. Now it's also, and then I also kind of went back and was like, well, was him killing himself? Was that carbidium or was that like just motivated by other things? So like that was kind of a whole nother discussion I had with myself. But so like there was that. And then there was like, then there were other guys in the group who totally just did not get the message. Like, you know, after this whole thing happened, the one guy, um, uh, what was his name? He had red hair, but he just like snitched on everybody mm-hmm. and was oh, like, yeah. yes. so he like, he like he didn't grasp it but like in the opposite way like he was like oh carpe diem psych actually i'm just gonna go with the flow like not really gonna take away from this and then the other guy todd the uh the roommate of neil he was just like really bashful the whole time he was like oh yeah like depot society cool but like didn't actually it didn't really i feel like it didn't really change him he didn't really act differently because of it so anyway i after this whole tangent, I was kind of like, okay, so I, I totally get what the, the message was. And I think it's a good message, but I thought it was weird the way they presented it and how the students didn't really grasp it. You know, they didn't really, they, they did not fully invoke what, what Keating was trying to like teach them. So I thought that was kind of interesting, like the second time and and really thinking it through. Yeah. Um, I, I, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I feel like that's a part of what's supposed to happen, though, because as young people and as students, I feel like they aren't supposed to get it on the first try, that they are supposed to fail and and misstep. I feel that that's a part of growing up in any coming-of-age story, is that to get a concept and to really to get something to hit home is that you might not get it the first time. And and that's, that's, that's sometimes definitely okay like the fact that they were trying and pushing the boundaries and some of these boundaries again we'll clarify was totally not okay but um for example like the call from god that was learning right there that there is a boundary you know before that they didn't necessarily understand that there was a limit to where carpe diem could go and they're like okay we could just take it x far well they learned very quickly that's not what this is supposed to be. And by trial and error, they're sort of able to form their own notions about how they should apply Carpe Diem to their lives. And I think that as as a movie that shows that very well, because if it was the flip side and everybody got it right away, then we wouldn't necessarily I don't think it would be really very realistic on how these teenagers were learning about this concept that they would apply to hopefully the rest of their lives. That is a good point about yeah how like students have to fail at some point before they can get better like they're not just going to be perfect on the first try another thought that was going through my head while i was watching this was just like at what point is the right point to teach students to think freely because 
that's not really a thing that is taught in schools very often. I mean, you might take a class like that every once in a while, but it's not really like just par for the course in every college or every high school. And I was thinking, you know, if Neil had learned these lessons in college, would it have been too late? Would he have already given up on his dreams or would it have not been too late? And would he have been would been more emotionally mature and ready to handle these ideas? And so I was thinking like, because I, I think a big part of the of this movie is the question of who's responsible for Neil and his decisions, because, you know, as a child, he's not entirely responsible for that because of the emotional baggage that's put on top of him. And the part of it's like, well, he makes you think that it's Keating's fault. Part of it's his dad's fault. And then it's really like a tug of war. Like who's really is anyone at fault at all? Yeah, I, th- I thought about this a lot. That was like the other question I was going to raise later on, um, which was like, I think a subtle message or a subtle like, question that, that's raised by this movie. It, exactly what you said, David, is like, at what age are people capable of making their own decisions about their life? Right. Yeah. Now, first of all, to answer the other question you said, yo, this d- Neil's dad was a dick. <laughs> like, I, I put all that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. After. While I was watching the film, I was thinking that it was Keating's fault for like putting these ideas in his head when he clearly just wasn't equipped to deal with that. But then as I watched the way that Keating handled it, where he said, you have to talk to your father, you have to discuss these things with him and tell him how you feel. And then he straight up just didn't like Neil just completely skated around the problem. And then that ended up coming back to bite him. So if he would have followed Keating's advice, I think he would have been okay. But that sometimes those conversations are really difficult to have. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you guys, did you feel like that, like, I feel like, at least when I was watching the movie, and that was the, this was the first time I've ever seen it, so I didn't know that was the ending of this film. For me, it, it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I realized he was dealing with personal issues about what he wants to do in life, and obviously they had that argument about, you are like, oh, we kind of planned out your life, you're going to be a doctor, and he was like, well, that's 10 years later, like, what am I supposed to do? And then they were like, it's not a prison sentence that scene and then it it goes to him taking his life and like to me like i i feel like the build wasn't enough there i feel like it was very like i don't know maybe it's supposed to show like younger people being more brash with their decisions or something but i feel like when i was watching it i felt like i wasn't expecting that at all and that was kind of uh from left field for me yeah okay i totally agree like i and I thought that the first time I watched it and I wondered if I would think differently. And I, I still thought it was kind of uncalled for and like maybe way too drastic. So I'm going to say like 70%. I agree with you. I think it didn't really make sense. And I, I wonder if like maybe the movie would have even been a little bit better if that didn't happen. The only, the only like big reason like towards the message that I think like there, that it's important is that I think, you know, other than Carpe Diem, I think the other question, like I said, was raised is, you know, like, at what age are people capable of making their own decisions? And I think, like, subtly they're trying to say, okay, if somebody's capable of taking their own life, then they're also capable of making decisions for themselves. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, like, I could see it being important from that stance, but, like, as just a from a from the perspective of, like, how the plot was presented, I agree. I don't think there was enough buildup that it seemed as credible. Right. Like when I was I, walking... Go ahead, David. Sorry. Sorry. I just... This movie reminded me a lot of Ordinary People mm-hmm. in that it's just very subtle. Like all the emotional cues and like 
the underlying stress and emotions are not really like present or present on the surface but it's very clear at least to me that neil from the very beginning he wants to be the the editor or the like sub-editor of the annual and his dad's just like no you can't do that you need to focus on school so you can become a doctor and neil's like that's just not what i want and he's clearly mm-hmm. being like suffocated from the get-go he's drowning and every single time he gets a shot he this teacher comes in and gives him ideas and then he's like man you know what i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna carpe diem seize the day i'm gonna be an actor and then he like goes for that and his dad's just like no you can't do that i'm shutting it down and every it's like he's bobbing his head above water drowning in these emotions and the stress and he tries to get help from Keating and Keating tells him the only way is to reach your hand out and like strike a deal with your dad. And he's like, that's too hard. My dad's such a wall. I can't get over that wall. And he just decides to not. And then eventually the dad leaves the wall like that. That dad had an opportunity to say, like, OK, like, let's work on this. Like, let's figure out what we can do about this. But instead, he just kept the wall up and like Neil just couldn't handle that and i think that pushed him over the edge mm-hmm. I, I could for me that was a very clear like lo- logical progression not that i think that makes it right but i can see where neil got the idea and why he felt that that was the only option for him um, yeah i, I com- david i completely agree with you um i think that's best exemplified in the scene where he wants to try out he hasn't even tried out yet and then Ethan Hawke's character, I believe his name's Todd, uh, is giving him questions, and then he start he starts crying and getting emotional. He says, "I haven't even I haven't even tried out yet. Like I just want to try, and I haven't even gotten a chance to do that." And you can see how much it means to him in that moment, just to have the opportunity to do something that he really cares about. And I think that from that moment on, when you see him actually being able to pursue this and and get this feeling i feel that when he sees his dad and specifically after the play is when he does feel crushed i mean he got to live part of his dream and taste that bit of what he's always dreamt of doing and to after that moment to realize that you are going to be not banned but shut out got out of an opportunity like that when you are at your highest point is heartbreaking and i i can i can understand there's no way for me to actually understand what was going through neil's mind and have that empathy but from us watching from a movie perspective i can understand why those actions did take place but i i obviously as well don't do not think that was the answer um but i can understand from a movie progression point how they did come to that yeah yeah i can definitely see why you guys like why that feels like it came out of nowhere because the movie didn't really necessarily hint at that too much but the fact that there's just that emotional build up throughout the entire movie and i think that's one of the questions that this movie is asking is like the fact is these passionate romantic ideals of like carpe diem being your own person, sounding your barbaric yop over the rooftops of the world. Like, these are such high-swelling ideals that it, it makes you feel like doing something as flippant as killing yourself because your dad wouldn't let you be an actor in high school. Like, it, it makes that seem like an appropriate response to this, like, otherwise mundane scenario. 
so I would like to I'd like to jump in here and add, add something to exactly what you just said, David. So uh, this movie mean means a lot to me, especially on this specific weekend and now talking about it on this specific Sunday. Um, two years ago to the day now, um, I had finished Social Innovation Weekend at Miami University and it changed my life forever. I called my parents up and I said, guys, I just finished creating a business with the team in, in 48 hours and it was the best thing in the world. I, I, I don't know what I need to do, but I need to either switch my major, take another fifth year or do something because this is the best thing in the world. This mm-hmm. is finally it. Um, my whole college career, I never really knew what I wanted to do until that second semester of junior year when I found uh, the creativity organization that I was a part of and then as well Social Innovation Weekend. And I can relate to that feeling of finding that thing and being on that high of realizing this is what I want to do. Um, I can completely relate to that and wanting to drop everything and pursue it. In my case, I'm fortunate enough where my parents are very, were, were very supportive of me and said, whatever you need to do, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make sure that you do what you want to do. And I was fortunate enough to get a certificate from the entrepreneurship program. But this movie means a lot to me on this day because I relate to that feeling uh, that the students had when they kind of had that veil lifted and they sort of realized that they could if they wanted to chart their own path and if they were able to go against the grain and be able to do that and so this movie really hits hard for me so i do understand from the standpoint of of neil seeing that having that emotion and then understanding i can't i can't go back yeah it's like that same stuff that makes Knox overfield do some really crazy stuff mm-hmm. like like i think that the scene where he rides his bike over the hill and the birds are flocking and it's just this beautiful gorgeous nature scene and he rides through a puddle of water i felt like that scene was like the visual encapsulation of the swelling in your heart that comes with reading this poetry and having someone as passionate as keating telling you how beautiful it is because i feel like sometimes it's one thing to just read poetry but it's another thing to have someone who's incredibly passionate about it telling you why the poetry is so beautiful and then reading it to you and then telling you again how beautiful it is and just reinforcing that when nobody else is saying anything remotely close to that. I feel like this movie puts you in the place of the students signing up for a course you didn't know you were signing up for. Like Mm -hmm. we're both in the same boat where we're just sitting there when Keating just barges into the classroom or I guess in this case he just kind of walks through quietly and beckons you to follow him. You're like, what's going on here? And then you just kind of get in his class and start to listen to the ideas that he's teaching you. I, I would agree with that. And I also, um, I, I can say this, David, I know you and I have been in a class that is very similar when it, <laughs> to, when it does come to changing your perspective on life and what yeah. you can do. I know that, David, you and I were fortunate enough to take a class that could resemble um empowering the students to chart their own path and be free thinkers and rip out the pages of the textbook and not follow what everybody else says yeah i'd love for you to touch on that but that's an empowering feeling when your teacher is pushing you toward that path toward that route and you realize what you are capable of and that you can go 
choose a different route than what everybody else is saying and that you really can look inside to determine where you want to go. Yeah. Speaking of changing your perspective and everything, you know, just I love this line where he's like, don't call me, uh, what's his name, Charlie? Don't call me Charlie anymore. My name's Nawanda. <laughs> I thought for sure that Colin would come into this call with the name Nawanda. He, come, he comes in with Pitts. That's a rather unfortunate name. <laughs> I just can't remember how exactly how to spell it. Um, talking about like I, I think this movie is genuinely funny too. I think it's it's definitely enjoyable to watch. But I, the one thing I don't know why it really like stuck with me was um, this. Do you guys know what this movie's rating is? Because I think it's really uh, like it's PG, right? It's PG, and there's like. A full uh, like Playboy uh, like picture in Beauty, it, and yeah, also yeah, that was suicide. Oh, and I'm man. like, how the hell is this PG? Like I was like watching it, and I was like, are we sh- like, is that rating correct? And, like, does this movie have like, a coding error or something? Like, like you could show these this movie to like middle schoolers, everyone's chill with it. Like, what the hell's going on? But I don't know. I I, yeah. I think it's great. I, I think the movie was, um, yeah, That's it definitely. A great point. That, to Andrew's point, it definitely made me very introspective about, like, am I seizing my day? And, like, I don't know. I, it took me a little bit. I paused it quite a bit because I had to think about I was like, is this movie going to bum me out because I feel like I'm not seizing the day as much as I can in a yeah. COVID world? <laughs> I have to work from a laptop. But Dude, um, I think this podcast, the fact that it exists, uh, is proof that we are seizing the day. It's true. And especially <laughs> Andrew's looking as fly as hell as he is on... Uh, his video camera right now. You got old man sheet going on, Andrew. Yeah. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, I, you, I, you know, you look fly. that's my goal is to just exude old man chic. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I shop and at you thrift stores. you do it stores. so well. <laughs> that's why I wear old man sweaters. That's why do I you have still these have that, mannerisms. <laughs> do you have that Bernie Kozar picture still up? Please tell me you do. <laughs> you know, I actually, I have it at my parents' house. I don't have it hanging up, but okay, I could. Good. Do you still have that koala picture? No, I had to throw it away, unfortunately. All the gifts that I've gotten from James, <laughs> I'm very sorry. It's all good, man. It, it wasn't for a very long time. Penny was definitely up for a while. Penny, that's right. <laughs> I, I read online that a lot of Keating's dialogue was improvised by oh, Robin Williams. Really? Yeah. I wonder if that's how that, that walking scene came about. Because it seems like the beginning of the scene, no one really knew what was going on, which I guess makes sense because that's like their character motivations. But I feel like Rob Williams, they're just like, okay, we need an outside shot, and you just like mess around until something happens, and we'll roll yeah. with it. And then like, we just like came up with that. Everyone's like, this is golden. Like we can't, we we gotta keep rolling with this. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Speaking of the walking scene, did you guys notice how at the end it was like very subtle, and I didn't pick it up the first time I watched it, but like, did you see how? After all this happened and Neil committed suicide and everything, Keating is up in his office looking out the window and the Latin teacher who <laughs> like, you know, who was a really minor character, but throughout the movie was kind of giving Keating a hard time about like his unorthodox teaching style. He was like having his students walk outside and mm-hmm. he was, like, as, I guess, like presumably going to do a lesson outside. So it was like a very, oh. I, it was like a very subtle nod to be like, you know, Keating's influence was more than more than to just the students. You know, it was also like he had a positive effect on some of the other faculty there too. And maybe it gave me like a little glimmer of hope that like 
the faculty would someday transform to not be so like overpairing. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was kind of a nice scene. Yeah. That was another thought I kept having throughout this film. Like, you know, Keating, I respect you for choosing this, like t- devoting your life to teaching these ideas to students, but really was this like the place to do that? I mean, wouldn't there have been a better place to spread these ideas where it wouldn't cause so much backlash you know, I'm sure there are people out there who are, like, interested in learning these things, right? Yes, there could be. But I would also argue, then, the people that are interested in learning these things are those best suited for Keating since they're already going to learn them. Or are the people that are best suited for Keating as a teacher those who are already ingrained as followers and people by the book and don't have their eyes open to the world that he teaches? Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like you wouldn't... Like, if he was able to teach this curriculum at a college setting, I feel like they'd be more understanding, opposed to, like, a really rigid prep school that has, like, more of a reputation to uphold. Yeah. Like, this is, like, the number one college prep school in the nation, and he's like, you know what they need? They need fresh ideas, because the <laughs> students don't know what they're missing. I feel like it's kind of presumptuous of him to just yeah, kind of... Yeah, but Keating, Keating doesn't strike me as the type of person who does something because he it's easy. He does it because he knows it's hard and i think he knows that out of everywhere in the entire country that it's going to be hardest for his ideas to flourish this is the place he lived this he knows how hard it is for these alternative ideas to take root in a place like this but he knows how desperately the students need it i think out of everything anything above anything else he's a teacher and he values his students more than anything Mm -hmm. and he knows that these are the students that are probably suffering more than any students in the country and although it's a monumental task he knows that he needs to do whatever it takes in order to benefit the most in need students for for this type of learning so i think he's more than accurate in his character to go to this place and teach here yeah and i think it's also because they definitely made it a point to show that he was alumni and also i mean that that moved the plot along about like establishing what the dead post society is but i think it also shows that like He's there because he's been in those shoes before, and they were like saying his different, um, oh, what's it called, like the the different verbs that described him the best, and they were like thigh man yeah. or whatever. And I was like, what does that mean? But um, yeah, yeah. I, I do say I I agree with you, Chad. I mean, I'm not trying to say that this was a bad place for him to teach. I just simply think like it is something to consider um, in this whole milieu of like what ends up happening in this film uh but yeah i i think that he's also really just a hilarious teacher like i would love to take this class um i i loved some of his lines like especially when he's criticizing charlie uh and he's like you know if you would have said it was a collect call that would have been bold like sammy and i had to pause and make sure we knew what a collect call was but i'm pretty sure it's when it's when like you call somebody and and you're making them pay for it yep no, that's correct. So, yeah, collect so, call would be pretty cheap. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. So, I don't know. The, some of those lines were hilarious. I also loved... I think the fact that the, the setting is like an all-boys prep school definitely changes the, the tone of the film. Um, because especially, like, in the 50s, which was when this was setting, like, in, the ni- in 1959, um, there's that whole mentality of, like, boys will be boys... And, like, just testosterone-ridden environments are just completely unique places to be. 
um, and it's o- it's only in these places I think where the idea that p- poetry is connected to, to the idea of wooing women um, would really like take hold, you know? Yeah. I just I really like the I feel as someone who worked at a summer camp like a Boy Scout summer camp and who was a part of the men's glee club uh, at Miami University I've had my fair share of experiences with just like completely male groups um, and this was just it's kind of just a fun a fun romp through that memory lane I was gonna ask Chad um, I don't know if I know for for sure that you went to like a private school uh, I don't know if anyone else on the call has, um, but if you want to talk about how, uh, I don't know, legitimate the, the portrayal of uh, like that type of preparatory school is, I'd love to hear your take on that. I mean, I would say that this preparatory school is a far cry from, from the high school that I went to. From Padua? <laughs> I would say it's a, the difference the differences are massive. I mean, first of all, I mean, I didn't go to an all guys school. I went to, I mean, it was a private high school, but there were still girls allowed. I mean, that's where I met my fiance. She sat in front of me in English class. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't go to a school where, where girls weren't allowed, but I would say that there's something to be said for the rigidity of the administration. I would definitely think twice about doing some of the things that these students were engaged in just knowing how rigorous it is with the administration at some of these schools that do have the right to just kick you out whenever they kind of feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it much more difficult to get away with things. I mean, we didn't have like senior pranks, like we didn't have fights. We like those, like there were so many zero tolerance things that just didn't happen because you knew that if they did happen, they were gone. Um, and I can also, I guess I'll relate a little bit to Neil and his dad and that dynamic of like some of these students, when you go to these private schools, you do feel a lot of pressure and a lot of weight to do well and to succeed because you know that it is a ton of extra sacrifice and extra burden on your families. Um, And that's not something that, you know, some other people might have to consider when they're going through like high school or something like that. And you have to think a lot about, you know, what is my family giving up so that I can have these opportunities and how do I make sure that I'm doing everything that I can do in order to make their sacrifice worth it? Because I'm not really giving anything up. I'm just enjoying the benefit of the hard work of others. Yeah. So I, I can get that a little bit. There's definitely, I mean, I, I'm sure no matter what high school you go to, there's always pressure and everything to succeed and to do well and to, you know, make your parents proud of you and all that. But it's very, it's a different experience to know that there's a dollar amount assigned to okay. The fact that you are here. Yes, exactly. So there's a little bit extra put on you. So, you know, on top of Neil struggling with who he is and what he has to figure out and what he has to do, there's a a big dollar amount also riding on that that you know that people are giving up for you. So I I get it. There's a lot of pressure on these kids. I mean, those the things of like they're studying almost constantly. They everybody's looking for like how do we, you know, do well and they want to get into the good schools and they want to do well, but it's tough. It's a lot of pressure. So, yeah. I mean, I don't have a, a, a public high school to relate to and to tell the difference. I didn't go like two and two or anything, but that's definitely what I remember from from high school and how I can relate it to this. But I did not get sent away to, to boarding school and, and live with all men for you know since I was in middle school like some of these kids. So I don't have the full experience to tell you. 
I don't know if I ever told you this, but my dad went to Padua. He didn't graduate. Oh, nice. He went there when it was all an all guy school, and he told me mm-hmm. he hated it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think I would enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, that never sounded appealing to me either. Yeah. My, uh, actually, my uh, not my current boss, but the one when I was working for uh, Vivid Cortex when I was still a startup, he um, graduated from UVA, so he like he lived in Charlottesville, but um, he went to boarding school in Australia, like an oh, all male live in boarding school in Australia. And I was like, that's I was like, what's it like? He's like, I don't know. It's just like extended college, I guess, but with only guys. And I was like, huh, it's crazy. It's definitely a vibe. Yeah, your, your boy's a public school slumlord over here going to Glen Oak. <laughs> so uh, I, was, I was hoping to share a couple of my favorite favorite quotes or scenes from the movie. I was just about to ask that question. Perfect. Uh, hell yeah. Um, so one of mine that stands out right away that I really loved in the moment and I'm constantly thinking of afterwards is when they're when it's the lunch scene and Robin Williams is having lunch with one of his colleagues and the colleague says, uh, show me the heart of unfettered by foolish dreams and I'll show you a happy man. And he quotes some poet and then Robin Williams responds saying, but only in their dreams can men only be truly free. Uh, Twas always thus and always thus be. And then he says Keating and he quotes himself. (laughs) And yeah. that, I think, is just such a perfect illustration of the difference between how Keating views teaching and how the rest of his colleagues view it as mm-hmm. a means to what we discussed earlier, free thinking, using education as a means to think for yourself and draw your own conclusions out of life and pursue your own and not to follow the path of others. But as the famous quotes of stand on the shoulders of those before you so you can then achieve new heights and do things like that. I absolutely, that was just a moment in the movie that I, I loved so much, uh, just so much. Yeah, I really loved that scene as well. It made me laugh a lot, just to hear him quote himself and wink his eye <laughs> in a classic Robin Williams mannerism. Uh, I, I also just love the phrase, oh, captain, my captain. I think it's such a lovely sentiment because it's just so it's like the romantic version of saying teacher or or leader or something like that and i love how he references walt whitman as uncle walt really kind of bringing that idea that these poets and great thinkers of the past are are all a part of us in that we all have that passion and romanticism somewhere within us so oh captain my captain is definitely something I'm going to probably add to my repertoire. Do you guys have any favorite scenes or maybe lessons from the film? I already mentioned mine about uh, the Latin teacher at the end. Mm-hmm. That was that was one of my favorite moments. There were also, I, I mean, the, you guys also like touched on some of my favorite moments, so like these aren't going to sound as interesting, but like sometimes I just had to like take a step back and laugh at it, like how like insane the the administration and the and the dads were and like yeah like they were like there was one scene at the beginning where they were just um, at i don't know they were having some downtime they were all just hanging out in the room and like two of them were like messing around with the radio and like 
the one guy comes in, he's like, is that a radio? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, like, what's the big deal? It's a, it's a radio. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh no. And so uh, just stuff like that. Or like Todd, like, I know this was kind of part of his character, but Todd was just like such a wet blanket sometimes. <laughs> and I, I like, I kind of found that amusing and he's just like, but, but, but you'll get in trouble if you do that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Todd. <laughs> so I anyway. Think- I thought some of those, all those characters were so spot on, though. Like, we all know somebody who, or we've been like that before. I know, I feel like in this movie, if any one of the characters represented me most, it probably would be Todd. And the fact that, like, I was very shy and very much a rule follower for most of my life. And then it took a while till I finally got up some courage to kind of pursue my own dreams and, like, kind of stand up to authority in even a minor way and have the confidence to be myself to the world. So I I find Neil a very inspiring character from the beginning with his confidence and leadership and just the fact that Neil's like, you know what, we're going to the cave tonight. Like, whoa, Neil, that is something that I would never say because I would be so destroyed if people didn't agree with me. You know, I Neil just, you know he has the confidence. He's going to do it regardless of whether people agree with him. But Todd is, I feel like Todd's kind of like the everyman in some ways. That is why I love the scene where Todd and Mr. Keating are on stage and Todd didn't do the assignment. So Mr. Keating's just like pulling the poetry out of him. And Todd's just like, like the way that the camera's spinning, the way that Todd and like, you know, Keating are interacting and Todd's finally like talking about like, man, fear is like a blanket. It's like a wet blanket and it's like suffocating and you can't get out and like, I thought that was some of the best. I mean, it's very on the nose, but I mean, for a, a high school, like, you know, poetry thing, like it's going to be on the nose. It's going to be like, finally, like, you know, this is how I feel. Like, I feel like I am constantly surrounded by fear and I can't get out. And like, it is all encompassing and dark and wet and terrifying. I thought that was a great moment. Number one for Keating showing how effective he is as a teacher mm-hmm. to be able to get that out of his like most quiet, most timid, most terrified student and a great moment for Todd to finally show that like, you know, there is something inside of you that is worth being said and worth being heard because that was his number one fear is like, there's nothing worthwhile about me. So I thought I, that was one of my favorite scenes because it, as a, as exciting as listening to poetry can be, I thought they made that scene like pretty exciting and a pretty uplifting moment for for that character. So I yeah. I was really glad to see Todd get that little bit of a moment in the film that really encapsulated him. Yeah, that's a great point, Chad. That was a, a really wonderful scene. Yeah, I don't know. I this movie definitely makes me cry. And multiple parts. I I even cried at the part where Neil's getting excited about doing the play, because as someone who's seen this movie before, you can just see so much energy and excitement, the passion really coming through, and you know as the viewer this is the beginning of the end. And uh, I don't know that it really just hits home that idea that sometimes young people don't know the full extent of the way the world works, and they can't see past the present to the future um and then it becomes really hard to move on when things don't go your way and yet at the same time the idea that as older as older humans we have to support the younger humans that are still figuring things out make sure that they can have that perspective through us 
So I think it's a good it's a good lesson for viewers young and old. Well, I feel like we've covered this movie pretty well at this point. Let's move on to scores. Colin, did you give this film a rating? I did. I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. All right. I feel like a pretty, pretty good rating. Uh, would watch it again, but uh, probably wait another six years and, and see how my uh, viewpoint changes on things. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I I find that some of the films I rate lower are films that I'm like, you know, that was a good film. I probably don't want to ever watch it again. I mean, I'm not going to name any make names. Sorry, that just kind of slipped out there. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like I said, I always thought, I thought Mank was like a good film in itself, but I probably would never want to watch it again. But this film, I also rated kind of low. I rated a 73, which is not representative of how much I love it and how much I think the, the themes and everything are very important. I think it fell behind in some of the scores. Like, I, it was okay in enjoyability and overall plot. I mean, there's something to write home about. The, like, the acting was pretty good, but not spectacular. I mean, the impact that it's had on the world wasn't, like, like anything that I can really uh, think of, and the artistry was okay. But the profoundness and the soundtrack, which I feel like we haven't talked about at all, I feel like there were some scenes that the soundtrack just really laid that like dreamy like aesthetic almost like the end of midnight summer or summer, midsummer night's dream and i think the soundtrack was really incredible in this film so overall i landed at a 73 i'm interested to hear what you guys thought i think the next person to go shall be beard what did you rate this film so maybe for the first time ever i'm like spot on with you guys Colin, you said seven and a half. David, you said 73. I said 74. Oh, um, <laughs> although, although category wise, I actually disagreed with you on some of those, David. Um, acting, I thought was outstanding. I give it a nine out of 10. I, obviously, Robin Williams, of course. But even like the students, I thought like, you know, I, I, I cut like amateurs. A little, OK, they're not amateurs, but I cut like, you know, adolescents or kids like some slack. Yeah. Right. But I. And I thought, like, hey, you know, they, they were pretty good actors. And they, like, really carried the movie with having most of the screen time. So acting was, I give that a 9. Profoundness, 10. Because, obviously, this stirred, like, an incredibly provocative discussion. Soundtrack, I, I liked a little bit, but I didn't like it as much as I think you did, David. I thought, like, at some points there was, like, music to build suspense or whatever, which I thought was good. But sometimes I thought it was a little over the top. Um, just a personal preference on my part. I, I I don't think this film really emphasized cinematography or special effects that much. Definitely not special effects. Yeah. Cinematography a little bit, but right. I did I guess like appreciate some of the landscape shots were really nice of the yeah. of the green and the of the grounds of the school. Kind of brought me back to Miami a little bit because I'm like wow yeah. I kind of like miss being around such like a a well curated landscape. Um, yeah. Now like for for you guys who have been to my apartment like my I live on the first floor, so first of all, no view. And then also, it, like, looks out to a parking lot. <laughs> it's just, like, very dreary. And I'm like, wow, I, like, I really miss these landscapes. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, tangent aside, there was one other thing. Oh, yeah, plot, I give a seven. I wanted to give it higher, but there were just, like, a couple things I, I, I guess, could critique. One thing is, I wish we would have seen more fallout from neil's death on keating because like i like you, I mean, you could definitely make the argument about whether keating's teaching was responsible for his death 
because I could see both arguments. But I think, like, regardless, Keating would probably take that very personally and feel like he was responsible to some extent. And I would, and I feel like we didn't really get to see how, like, that fallout affected him and how that may have, like, changed his attitudes about his teaching style or whatever. I mean, as far as we know, he just kind of, like, moved on to his next thing. And, you know, that was, I mean, we, uh, at least I was confident he would be, you know, fine because he was, like, very accomplished in things. But, yeah. um, Anyway, so there's that. Yeah. uh, We did see that scene where he was, like, really distraught in the classroom, like, walking over to Neil's desk. That's Um, true. We did see that so he you you can see that he's clearly emotionally impacted but yeah you're right we don't really see how that affected his teaching methods going forward so that's a good point that's what i got all right chad what did you rate this film well i won't repeat a lot of the stuff that you guys said i will say that my highest category was definitely profoundness i gave it a 10 in that but mostly some mixed things across the board, definitely not an emphasis on, on some stuff, but I thought it did most things that it was trying to do very well. I'm pretty near you guys. I ended at a 76 overall, so it will sneak into my top 100 just barely. Like the Ooh. 76 <laughs> block is the cutoff to get into the top okay. 100, so it just sneaks in there. But wow. I, I think it I think it deserves it. I, I think it should definitely be on the list up there, so... Uh, right. I'm glad it made it. All right. That's interesting, Chad. Like I like you gave like a score that was barely better than mine, and I it comes in at sixty five on my list, right below the lobster. So Whoa. But Beard, that's because you just generally score things lower. I know, I know. But like so. I just think it's interesting. But also I think it's like definitely a deserving spot on my list, whereas like Chad's like, oh, barely made it. Dude, I mean it's There's only, a lot of movies out there, man. It's only my hopes Fair. and dreams to be able to watch all the movies on both you and Chad's top 100. That's, uh, that's definitely one of my life goals. So, thank you for that, Chad. Let's hear from Hunter. Last but not least, what did you rate this film? Yeah, I rated this a... I'm trying to find... Oh, there we go. I just re- macros. I, I reorganized my list when you guys were ranking it because it always I always input it at the bottom and then I have to reorganize the list and I got to refine Dead Poets Society. So overall, I snuck in there totally by accident between Chad and Andrew with the 75 overall. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So I believe we have gone 72 pits over here gave it a seven and a half. So there's two 75s. And then a 74 and a 76. So that's that's absolute gold. Um, yeah, I gave it a 75. I believe that it deserves higher, but due to our wombatic uh, rating structure, it has gotten a a, a 75. Uh, I it got a nine in acting. Completely agree. The acting was phenomenal. It got a, a 10 in profoundness. I, I I think it might even get an 11 uh, if I, due to a rewatch. And those were a lot of the highlights. Character development, I gave it eight solely because I do think I loved seeing the progression of each high school student and how they embodied Carpe Diem. As I mentioned before, that was just a personal thing that I loved in seeing that. And overall, I thought it was a stand-up-on-the-desk yop 
uh, <laughs> movie. I would absolutely scream at the top of my lungs uh, telling people to watch this movie and get up on a desk and point at them and say, you need to watch Dead Poets Society. You need to watch Dead Poets Society because it's awesome. <laughs> this is a movie that I wish I would have watched in high school. I, I so wish I would have watched this. This would have had an incredible impact on me as as a younger person. But watching it now, it's I can say that it still has an impact. I, too, have been in reflection now for the past day and a half and it's just i'm very thankful that we watch this movie as a group very thankful yeah well i agree let with me you be there. the first oh, sorry. sorry go ahead i yeah i was gonna go off on something totally different but anyway. that's all right do it um i was I, I was gonna say i'm shocked that we all came in at like basically the same <laughs> score like we all had like completely different things to to discuss and to share and we have very different views and our movie tastes, but yet we all came in within like three points of each other. Um, <laughs> we're I'm all just shocked. becoming one. The more yeah. we do this together, we're all just <laughs> going to start dialing in. Everybody's going to give the same score every time. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that is very impressive. I felt like when I gave my score, I was, I just feel like I'm getting better at like being more honed. So yeah. maybe, maybe that's what it is. Like you guys already were pretty honed, but we're trying to, catch up in our in our scoring capacities but yeah i'm i'm happy that we came in with those those numbers i think that those fairly represent this movie and i but yeah at the same time i think it's absolutely like you said worth the first watch at the very least um even if you don't think this would be your type of film because there's just a lot of good stuff here all right well i think that about wraps us up for dead poet society we hope you've enjoyed Feel free to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed today's episode or email us at ampedaboutmovies at gmail.com to share your thoughts and give us suggestions for future movies to watch. Speaking of future movies, next week we'll be covering the 2020 Globe, Golden Globe winning Nomadland, which is again currently available on Hulu. Anyway, go and yell your barbaric yops from the rooftop. Peace.